It's a privilege to um, to come to you in this way, to serve in this way. Um, I want to to just pray before we begin. Um, it's not my words; it's the Lord's words we want to hear. So uh, let's come before Him and ask Him to give us ears to hear. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer. We can come to you anytime, anywhere because of Jesus. I thank you for this, your church, your body, and I pray your, your grace and favor upon it. Lord, I pray your grace and favor on our pastor and the leadership team. You continue to pour out your spirit upon them and on us. And Father, we pray in particular for this time, as our audience of one, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And uh, Lord, Holy Spirit, may you empower us to obey what we hear and what you say. For your name's sake, for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, John Scully, for, uh, former president of Pepsi-Cola Company and former CEO of Apple, tells the story of when uh, Steve Jobs was recruiting him away from Pepsi to join Apple. And it was a months-long process of recruiting, culminating in a meeting with John Scully, between John Scully and Steve Jobs in Scully's uh, suite, office suite in New York City. And Scully told Jobs, I just can't leave the security and the perks of Pepsi-Cola Company. Steve Jobs was disappointed, and he dropped his head, and there was a moment of silence. Then he looked up, looked Scully straight in the eyes, and he said, do you mean to tell me that you'd rather spend the rest of your life selling sugar water than have the chance to change the world? Scully said the impact of that statement knocked the wind out of him and haunted him to the point where he eventually left Pepsi and joined Apple, and the rest, as we know, is history. Scully discovered that he wanted to be a difference maker on a playing field that mattered. And uh, across the country, we have young people dreaming and aspiring of, of being difference makers on a playing field that matters to them, whether it's a, a football field or a baseball diamond of sports. They want to be the next Michael Jordan or Tom Brady or, or Serena Williams. What they, what they uh, learn real quickly after, uh, after they, they catch this dream is that there's a lot more under the surface, behind the scenes, than the public perception. What they see in public uh, and what enables that person to perform at such high levels publicly is the behind-the-scenes, off-the-field practices of those individuals. It's the extra hours of, of film that they watch and the, the, the weights that they lift that nobody sees other than maybe their family or close friends. And so it's the, it's the below-the-surface aspect. It's the same spiritually. God is looking, Scripture says, He's looking for men and women who want to make a difference in, in a playing field, his playing field, the kingdom of God, which lasts for eternity. He's looking for men and women who, who want to invest in those disciplines behind the scenes. This is the public side right here. But this is a snippet of our lives. It's just an hour and a half or two hours out of our week. It's the behind the scenes, what happens after we leave here, that makes a difference. For us and for those around us, they're called the spiritual disciplines. And 
Uh, any of you who've been around me for any length of time, you, you're familiar with the, uh, the wheel illustration. I love this illustration. I think it's one of the best illustrations about the Christian life. It's not mine. It belongs to the navigators, but kind of illustrates what the Christian life is like behind the scenes. You have the disciplines of prayer, the Word of God, fellowship, which is what we're doing right now in church, witnessing. And then, of course, we can have all the spokes. We can be doing all these disciplines behind the scenes, but if we're not walking in Holy Spirit dependence and obedience, we've got flat tires. We're not rolling very far. We're not making a difference. So, and then the most important part of the wheel, obviously, is what Ward said so, so powerfully and, and well when Pastor was doing the, the panel on finances, uh, is that Christ has to be the center of our lives. If he is who he says he is, he needs to be Lord, not just an add-on to our life. He needs to be the boss of our lives. And when we make that decision to make Christ the center of our lives, he's the power source then everything can flow, the spokes and everything. No matter how large our spokes are or smaller spokes are, when he's powering it, we're going to make a difference for his glory. This is the holy huddle. It's the rest of the week where we've got to run the play. Um, and I pray for difference makers for Bethany. I know Pastor Phil prays for it too. And What a difference maker really is is a disciple maker. And that's what I'm praying for is disciple makers. And what a disciple maker is if, if you've been walking with Jesus any length of time, there should be someone that you know that you can look to and say, this person is walking with Jesus by the grace of God because of me. It's not because of you and in you, but it's Christ in you that's allowing them to walk with you. So the question is, if you've been walking with Jesus any length of time, where's your man? Where's your woman? We're born to reproduce. Physically, we're born to reproduce spirits. We have a number of ladies who are expecting in the, in the, in the, the church uh, this morning, and it's, it's an awesome, exciting time. The nursery is growing. The children's ministry is growing. It's a great problem. Uh, we need workers, um, so if you, if you want help. <laughs> but um, when, uh, the question is, do we have expectant believers? Are we expecting people to come to Christ around us? Uh, are we with child in prayer for them? When we first come to faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, there's changes, right? We're, we're excited to learn, to serve, to grow, encouraging others to consider Christ, inviting others to church. I remember when I first uh, came to Christ, I started to read the Bible on my own for the first time. I had read the Bible before, but it was because I was forced to. I grew up in church. and For a teenager to want to read the Word of God, that's weird, man. That's God. That was not me. That was God. It changed my heart to make me want to read it. Uh, so that can happen <laughs> with young people. It can. For, for me, I had, uh, I had grown up in the church, as I said, but I hadn't invited a friend to church, uh, really. And I remember the first time I invited a friend to church. His name was Joe, growing up in a, in a rough, uh, rough world. Uh, his folks were involved in ministry, but he was adopted and uh, came from a tough background. We had a program in our church called AWANA, which was an acronym for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed, based on 2 Timothy 2.15. Uh, and so it was AWANA Club, and I invited Joe to AWANA Club after, after school. It was a midweek uh, thing for young people. And he called his folks from the, from the office of the school and said, Hey, uh, John is inviting me to the AWANA Club after, after school. I can go to his house, have dinner, and then go to AWANA Club and then uh, you can pick me up after Awana Club. And his parents said, absolutely not. You are not going to Awana Club 
with, with Joe. You're not going to that club, is what they said. You're not going to that club with John. And uh, we're picking you up after school. Do not move. I'm like, wow, they're involved in ministry. What's going on here? You know, I, they had misheard Joe. And uh, it was Colorado, but it was before the legalization of marijuana. But they had heard Marijuana Club. <laughs> and that was my experience of inviting a friend to church for the first time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it didn't go so well. <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's exciting. It's exciting that we can spiritually reproduce very quickly after we come to Christ. We can spiritually reproduce as children. Amen. We can be spiritual grandparents before we're 10 years old. Physically, it takes years for the body to be able to, to bear a child. And it takes decades before we're grandparents, physically. But spiritually, it can happen rather quickly. So what happens to so many of us after our initial spiritual growth happens? What happens? Many things can happen. I think for many of us, we get comfortable in our routines, good routines, spiritual routines, spiritual disciplines. We get comfortable in them. I had a professor at Bible school, which uh, for those of you who know, Bible school seminaries are also nicknamed cemeteries because you can <laughs> die in your faith there. But he, he, said, uh, he said, the ruts of routine... I wrote it down because I never forgot it. The ruts of routine, good routines, spiritual routines, can become the grooves of God's grace or they can become a coffin with both ends kicked out. The ruts of routine can become the grooves of God's grace or they can become a coffin with both ends kicked out. And when we get comfortable with our routines, we're not depending on God anymore and it can become a coffin. Church can become a coffin with both ends kicked out. And we're not only unable to reproduce when that happens, we're dangerous because we become full of ourselves, because we're confident in our disciplines. We're good. We're better than. We become critical and judgmental of others around us. And God hates the proud, even when we're doing good things. What breaks us out of our comfort zones, out of our coffins? A lot of times it's a crisis crisis in a family. For, for many in this church, Hurricane Katrina broke you out of your, your coffin, uh, your, your routines, and uh, you awaken to the reality that it's not just Pastor Phil and Pastor Sherry who do the work of the ministry, that we're all called. God wants to use you in the lives of those around you, in the community around you, that there's needs all around us. And, and that awakened many to... to and, Compassion New England was, was born after that, and we see now what a difference we're making in the community around us. It started with Hurricane Katrina. started with a crisis. It doesn't have to start with a crisis, though. We can be praying. Prayers. Prayers to stay obedient, Holy Spirit dependent, are what I call dangerous prayers to avoid or repent of pride. Why are they dangerous? Dangerous prayers are dangerous because when we pray them, God will answer positively. And the devil is going to be mad. He's going to be mad. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is, is dangerous prayers. God answers prayers. He does. Unless you're sinning, there is scripture that says, if you're in unrepentant sin, Psalm 60, uh, 66, 18, and 1 Peter 3, 7, there are times when God won't answer prayer, our prayers. But if we're, if we're not in unrepentant sin, he, he answers our prayers. Sometimes he says yes. 
Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. Sometimes he says, you've got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> but dangerous prayers are ones where God will always, 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 absolutely, I love to say yes to that prayer. Please pray that prayer more. Now, I'm going to presume that because you're here this morning, you want to be a difference maker for Christ. That is your desire. Unless, unless you're here still considering Christ, to which I say, fantastic, fantastic. Consider as much as you need until you're convinced. I love what Pastor Jay, Jason said a couple of weeks ago. He said, if I can convince you in five, five minutes, I can unconvince you in five minutes too. That We need to be convinced. That, uh, I worked for six months with a, a Chinese student in Quebec who had questions, once a week met and answered her questions. She wanted to be convinced that Jesus was God, that he was the truth, he was the way, the truth, and life. She had all kinds of questions, but she knew, and I knew, in talking to her, that if she made a commitment for Christ, she would suffer. She was probably going to be beaten by her husband. She was a postgraduate student. She had a position in the university in China in linguistics, and uh, if she followed Christ, she was probably going to lose that position in China too. And I remember saying to her one day, I said, I'm not going to say her name because it's recorded, but I said, I've ruined you because now you know that Jesus is God. He's the truth. And now you have a decision. You're going to spend the rest of your life with Jesus by having followed him and having peace with God and your eternity set, but your physical life is going to be miserable. And you know that. Or you can be at peace in your physical life on earth, but you know that you have rejected the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and your eternity is lost. You're going to live in tension the rest of your life. It's your call. She went home for summer break and she was beaten by her husband. She came back and for three more months asked questions. She gave her life to Christ. And she continued to be beaten. She did lose her position at the university. But she was convinced. And it changed me. Having talked to her about Christ, it changed me because I had to be as convinced as her that I really believe this. I'm willing to take the beat. I would wish I could have taken the beatings for her. But it changed me. And it's why I wear this cross, and a lot of people see the cross, but behind it, the behind-the-scenes story behind it, I've got engraved on the back of this cross, basic, which means brothers and sisters in chains. And I pray for her. I pray for others that they stay the course. But if this gospel is true, it's got to be true everywhere in the world, not just for middle-class America. It's got to be true for all of us. So if, if you choose Christ and you're considering Christ, he is the truth, not just because I say he is, Pastor Phil says he is, but be convinced because following him, it's not just difficult. If we truly understand what he's asking us to do, it's impossible the Christian life isn't difficult. It's impossible apart from the Holy Spirit's help. And your life may not be easy for following Christ. You want to be a difference maker, disciple maker, spiritual parent, grandparent, but you're stuck in a comfort zone. Some of you might be stuck in a crisis zone. You, don't, you just want to survive. You're in a crisis. You don't need one. Either way, these prayers are for you. They're for me. Two are from King David. Two are from the Apostle Paul. I'm only going to read two of them, but uh, the other two you can read on your own. But the first one is, is a powerful one. It's a humbling one. It's search me. Search me, oh God. 
uh, from Psalm 139. King David writes this, and David is just worshiping God in this psalm. He's just marveling at the majesty of God that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows his thoughts. He's just, he's just blown away by the, the knowledge of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, and he's just, he's just in David, all David worship kind of a moment. And then the thought strikes David, and the, the psalm shifts in the middle, and he, he realizes that there are people out there who aren't worshiping God like him. And they're not just not worshiping God, they're anti-God. They're mocking God. They're, they're ignoring God. They're rebelling against God. And David gets indignant for God. And he starts saying in the psalm, kill him, God. Wipe him out. <laughs> it's why we love David. He's so relatable. <laughs> it's like, uh, David is just going off on the wicked in this psalm after that. And, and all of a sudden, it shifts again. And the psalm ends with the thought striking him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Maybe there's some fist shaking going on still in me. Search me, O oh God, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Try me. Make sure there's no offensiveness in me like pride. I have to pray this all the time. Naturally, and when you pray it, in all sincerity, God will answer. He'll show you where you're off. Naturally, it leads to the second dangerous prayer, which is lead me, guide me. It's in that psalm as well, but also in Psalm 25, 4 and 5. David, in this psalm, Psalm 25, he, he, it's, he's confessed his sin. He's realized his sin. He's confessed it, and he's praying, God, lead me, guide me. I don't want to follow that way again. Show me how to walk in your path. He prays it after confessing sin. We want to be the ones guiding and leading our own lives. But that's sin. And usually reaps sin's reward. This is a daily prayer, a moment-by-moment -moment prayer. Lead me. Guide me. Show me. You just never know the impact of simple obedience to God. You just never know. It was a simple conversation with a friend in Ohio on my way back, my, on my way out here to Massachusetts with my son that God used to plant a seed for me to be able to stay in New England longer than the caretaking role that brought us out here. We were on our way, we had the car packed, and, and I knew we needed to be in church that morning, not on the road traveling. And uh, uh, it, I don't remember what the service uh, was about. I don't remember the songs, I don't remember the message, but it was a conversation with a friend after church that I connected with in church that I know that God led him to mention truck driving. I didn't want to hear truck driving as a possible next step after caretaking, but I know that was from God. Simple, simple conversation. It wasn't about worship, it wasn't about it, it was about the next step for me. I love what Pastor Phil says, if you don't show up, you might miss your mail. You might miss your spiritual mother. God wants to speak to you, maybe not through the message, maybe not through the worship, maybe through a conversation. God wants to speak to you. Now, can God speak to Could God have gotten his mail to me in another way? Of course. It's like saying, can God make a, a, a fish big enough to swallow a man, to swallow Jonah? God can air condition and carpet the sucker if he wants to. He, I mean, God can do it. But he wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. I had to swallow my pride. I failed the CDL the first time. I, I've made a lot of mistakes 
in the, in the journey of, of truck driving. Um, a learning curve. I had to embrace God's next step for me. But I've seen so many look what God did moments as I've let him lead me. I tell you, there's a lot of truck drivers out there who need Jesus. <laughs> and you could probably say the same thing about your line of work. Um, but uh, we won't reach them by being full of ourselves. We need to be humble and honest about our screw-ups. That alone, just being honest about your screw-ups, your mess-ups, that's going to make you shine like a star in the, in the darkness because that's not normal. You need to constantly be praying these dangerous prayers. Search me. Stay humble. Convicted. Guide me. Not my will, but yours be done. The prayer of Jesus. The third one I want to read to you is from Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Um, Ephesians 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Ephesians 1, 15 to 20, 23. It says, Open my eyes to know him, to know the hope of, of, of heaven, to know his power. I want to read it. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in, this, in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul prays that their eyes would be open to know Christ, to know the hope of glory, to know the power that they have. Paul's writing this from prison. This is one of the prison epistles. He's in, he's in danger, in trouble. This church had seen God's power at the founding of the church, the beginning of the church. They had seen miracles. Acts 19, Acts is really the biblical background book for, for, the, for the New Testament and, and the church. And you read that, the story in Acts 19. It's amazing. They had handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul that they brought to people, and those people were healed. God was doing incredible things, amazing things in the church in Ephesus. But now Paul's in prison, and he's not getting out. And they're being persecuted, and it's not stopping. It's natural to say, um, where are you, God? What have you done for me lately? I know you did these miracles in the past, but what have you done for me lately? It's natural to have doubts, as Pastor Jason spoke of weeks ago. When trouble comes, as Pastor Sherry said last week, trouble will come. When trouble comes and stays, it doesn't just go away. It stays. It's normal to have our eyes fixed on our circumstances. Financial troubles, bad marriage, chronic pain. Paul is still in prison. What's he praying for? Is he praying to release, be released from prison? He's praying for them to, to not be persecuted? Possibly. But he's praying for more than that. He's praying that they would see Christ in the midst of their crisis. Amen. The way he's seeing Christ in the midst of prison. 
in the midst of the cross, that they're called to bear, that he's called to bear. We all want miracles. We love miracles. Love miracles of healing, restored marriages, financial blessings, but those are temporary changes. There's going to be more problems coming. Even bigger miracle is can you, can I see Jesus in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of my trouble, to know the hope of the glory of heaven, to know the power to be like Christ in the midst of my problem. For my sister and friend in China, her circumstances were not going to change. But she could be like Christ in the midst of her circumstances. Heaven was her hope more than comfort on this earth. Seeing Jesus was her daily focus. Had a colleague who was able to go to China and, and, and hear that she's still walking with Jesus. She suffered tremendously. Nothing wrong with praying for a miracle. But if God says, not yet. This prayer, open my eyes, is critical or we're going to give up on a God who hasn't done anything for us lately. It's natural to get angry at God when he doesn't show up the way we want him to show up. We need to say, open our eyes. I, I had a hard day my first year truck driving, and I was questioning, and I was asking, I was asking God, open my eyes. Is this really where you want me to be? And when I had gone to school... The truck driving school, the first day that I went, I had my devotions, and, and uh, anybody who's been through a career change, you know, it's a big thing, and, and uh, uh, it was going to be a learning curve for me, and, and the, it was as if the Lord had said to me on that, that day when I applied, he said, I got this, John. This is where I want you to be. I want you to shine like a star in this darkness. I got this. And I wrote that in my journal. God's got this. And then he, less than a year later, I'm having trouble. And uh, I'm, I'm getting fuel, normal thing in the process. And there's a guy in front of me with a yellow wristband like the Lance Armstrong, Live Strong bands. And he's older than me. He's an older gentleman. Not that I'm young anymore, but uh, uh, older gentleman. For an older gentleman wearing a yellow wristband, it's kind of interesting. So I, I, as he was leaving, I said, it's a cool wristband. He said, uh, is there anything on it? Is there a message on it that, that uh, inspires you? And he, and he turned around. And he said with a big grin on his face as he left, God's got this. And I just looked up and said, God, now you're showing off. <laughs> and you can keep showing off. You know? But that was a look what God did moment for me. Simple little thing. I knew, hey, God sees me. He's with me. He's with you in the midst of our, of our trouble. Search me, guide me. Open my eyes to know you, to know the hope of glory, to know the power to be like Christ in the midst of difficulties. The fourth, the, the, the last one is from Ephesians 3 again. Second prayer for Paul in this church is empower me. And he prays in, in verse 14, 21. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you 
may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He prays, empower me. Second prayer of Paul. It's a natural follow-up to the one. Once we've seen Christ, we know where our ultimate hope lies, know His power is available, is change me, God. Change me to be like Christ. This will always get a yes from God. Please pray it more, he's saying. Yes, I'll answer that. When we pray, God, please change my circumstances, he might say yes, but not always. Not always. When you pray, change me, empower me to be like Christ, to know Christ's love, to be full of Christ's love in the midst of your circumstances, my circumstances, God's going to say yes, and the world's going to see a difference. The world will see a difference. You're going to shine like a star. The world is going to say, how can you be happy with so little? I know your financial circumstances. And if I were in your shoes, I'd be mad at God. I'd be mad at my boss. I'd be mad at the world. What, what, how are you happy? It's an opportunity to talk about the hope that's in you and what's making you different from them. Says, how can you love that man or that woman? I know your marriage. I know what you've been through. I would have been gone so long ago. How can you stay? What are you? What is it about you? <laughs> it's an opportunity. You're shining like a star in the darkness. They're not getting it. Of the power of God that's in you to, to walk in love. How can you honor that parent who's abused you? I know your family background. How can you walk with, with grace? Opportunity. These are dangerous prayers because you will be a difference maker when you pray them. Uh, a while back, I had a, um, a family situation that caused me to, to seek counsel. I needed a, I need counsel, and uh, I looked for somebody. Locally, there was nobody available, and I ended up on a phone uh, phone counseling situation with somebody in Colorado, where I'm from, and um, I don't think if it was it was pre-COVID, I don't think if it was a Zoom call or if I was going to the counselor in person or if I was on the phone, I don't think my reaction would have been different. It would have been the same because it was my problem. <laughs> but uh, I'm on the phone with this counselor and I'm, I'm explaining my situation and and he asked some clarifying questions. So I know that he listened to me. I know he heard me. It wasn't one of those situations. Did you just listen to me for the last 30 minutes or have you just been off in La La Land? I know he heard me. He said, John, I want you to write down one word. Uh, and so he said the word. I didn't need to write it down. It was etched in my skull. I still remember where I was when he said the word. It wasn't a biblical word. It wasn't a bad word. Uh, but I just, I, I gut laughed. I just laughed out loud and uh, couldn't hold it in. Um, and I, I, was, I was had. You go to a counselor, you, you're going because you want some help. And, but it's still embarrassing and humbling when they, they get you. <laughs> and you're like in that moment, we're like, okay, yeah, you got me. And he said to me, he said, John, why did you laugh? And 
I said, well, I guess there's a lot more Sarah in me than I care to admit. For those of you who know the Bible story of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was told when he was 99, Sarah was 74, that he would have a child through Sarah. And Sarah laughed. It's what the name Isaac means, laughter, because he came after ridiculousness. It was just ridiculous. God doing that at, at 75, she had a child. That was ridiculous. The word that he gave me in that conversation was ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, if, if there's some, somebody 74 years old here at Bethany and God tells your husband you're going to have a child, I don't think you'd be laughing, though. I think you'd be crying. <laughs> no, I don't want to be doing driving lessons at 90. But, uh, but, but it was ridiculous. And he said to me, he said, John, I want you to write down a scripture reference. And he gave me Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. I had memorized that. Didn't need to write it down, but I hadn't been obeying it, walking in it. It was good to be reminded. Now to him who is able to do more, immeasurably more than our ridiculousness, than what we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God didn't have to answer my family situation with the ridiculous word that the counselor gave. But he did have to answer the even more ridiculous reality of me being like Christ in the midst of my situation. He may never resolve your situation, my situation, before we get to glory. He doesn't have to. What he has to do is when we say, God, change me, empower me to be like your son, to be full of your love in the midst of my situation, God's going to show up. He's going to make you a difference maker there. He will answer that. His last words to his disciples were in Matthew 28, 19, 20. He says, make disciples of all nations. It's the only command in that, ver- that, that passage. There's other participles, as they're called, A lot of English translations say, go and make disciples. Really, a better translation would be, as you are going. That's the participle. It's not a command. It's as you are going. In the midst of your life, in the midst of your circumstances, in the the prison you find yourself in, as you're going through life, make disciples. And what is God's promise when we choose to make disciples in the midst of our circumstances? He's going to resolve all of our circumstances? No. What does he say at the end of that passage? He says, and lo, I am with you always. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. That's his promise. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence with us, that you're here. As we go from here, Father, Lord, you know the circumstances, the situations that we've come into this room with and that we're going to go out of this room with. Father, I pray that you would give us power, empower us to know your love and to be full of your love in the midst of our circumstances this week. 
and in weeks to come. Father, that, that you would open our eyes to know you better and the hope of heaven, the power to be like Christ in the midst of our circumstances. God, lead us, guide us, help us to see many, look what God did moments. Search us. Search us, God. Help us to walk humbly before you, that you would use us for your kingdom, for your glory, that we would shine like stars in the darkness. Father, for, for your church, this your church, Bethany, you want to have glory all over each one here and through each one here. Pray that you would show up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.